Hey, welcome to this, uh, another Banbury Beer podcast. Uh, these are interesting times, aren't they, that we're living in. Um, the uh, podcast has been delayed several times as I was kind of waiting for uh, things to become clearer. Uh, I don't think they have become clearer, but uh, <laughs> the situation has been changing daily. Um, but um, I felt it was time to, to just get something down on the uh, old paper. Um, so yeah, we're going to kind of throw some random thoughts out there, and uh, most of all, I would love to hear your thoughts. So if you've got any opinions that you'd like to voice, then do get in touch with me, and uh, we'll happily um, share those with the world. So uh, you can email me at banburybeer at gmail.com, or on Twitter, it's at banburybeer. So uh, yeah, we're going to obviously uh, talk a little bit about uh, events of the last, uh, how long are we talking now? Uh, week and a bit? nearly two weeks I guess since it all really uh, kind of kicked off we'll be touching on that at some point um, and uh, also there's a few other bits and pieces that kind of uh, may have, you may have forgotten about in all the excitement of the last uh, week or so um, so we'll uh, try and include those as well and uh, the feature that I had planned which uh, we're still going to do I think um, was uh, a uh, kind of spotlight on the Portman group um, so uh, stay tuned for that <laughs> to start by uh, thanking Matt who uh, got in touch um, via email um, who uh, made a request which is uh, very much welcomed uh, so uh, I guess I'll just read this out uh, hopefully you won't be embarrassed um, just want to say I love listening to the podcast you asked about subjects topics to discuss I know you do current events but maybe a history of the Hunt Edmonds Brewery as a Banbury board lad myself it would be nice to hear more about it so uh, thanks very much for your uh, for your um, email Matt and uh, yeah that'd be great um, obviously I've not got around to it yet <laughs> hopefully I might have a bit more time uh, in the next uh, few weeks so um, I will try and uh, and pull something together. Um, if anyone knows anything and want to uh, contribute to it, that'd be fantastic. Um, or if you've got any other suggestions for uh, things that we should be covering, then uh, get in touch. Uh, as always, we're going to have a few news items uh, in the mix as well. And uh, you may have missed this one, uh, or uh, as I say, forgotten about it, uh, at the start of the month. But uh, Wales has um, followed uh, Scotland's suit and introduced minimum pricing law. Um, a new law introducing a minimum alcohol price in Wales came into force at the start of March. Um, retailers and outlets serving alcohol must charge at least 50p a unit, meaning a typical bottle of wine costs no less than £4.69. The Health Minister, Vaughan Gething, said it would tackle harmful and damaging drinking of cheap, strong alcohol. A report uh, found alcohol sales in Scotland dropped after a similar system started there in May 2018, while sales rose slightly in Wales and England. Uh, the Public Health Minimum Price for Alcohol Wales Act 2018 forces retailers to use a formula for working out minimum pricing. The Welsh Government said that most people would not notice a change in the price of most al alcoholic drinks, but high-strength, low-cost products such as white cider would be significantly more expensive. Professor Sir Ian Gilmore, chair of the Alcohol Health Alliance, said he was delighted by Wales' change and said England risked being left behind in the race to tackle alcohol harm. 
Society for Independent Brewers, SEBA, held their annual meeting uh, back in uh, the start of March, 11th to the 12th of March, um, just as uh, everything was uh, starting to kick off, uh, re-coronavirus. So they held their AGM Conference and Awards in Liverpool, aiming to shed a spotlight on independent breweries across the country. Something of a Twitter storm erupted when it was announced that the winner of the Best Multiple Independent Retailer Award was supermarket chain Tesco. This was in part due to the name of the category being ambiguous, as Seba later clarified that independent, in this case, refers to the beer and not the retailer, uh, and they will be looking at and revising this category next year. But more concerning for some was the business model that Tesco has of piling high and selling cheaply, with independent retailers being unable to compete as they have uh, less buying power, and some suggesting that uh, the actions of Tesco constitute a race to the bottom. Well, it's uh, an interesting uh, argument, and uh, I can see both sides of the argument. Uh, while it clearly sends out a slightly confusing message to the public, it shouldn't be seen as a purely negative thing. As some people pointed out, uh, around 10 years ago, when the craft beer scene was crying out for attention, uh, now some of those people seem to be complaining that craft has now reached a point where the supermarkets want a piece of it. Clearly a sign that the scene is in good overall health. Tesco can and do undercut other businesses, and there's not a lot that can be done about that. They do, however, have one of the better craft beer selections of the major supermarkets, with some big players, um, with uh, which are kind of uh, macro-owned, like Magic Rock um, but uh, and uh, Beavertown, but also smaller concerns like Vocation and London Beer Factory. Uh, who are you know are still fairly uh, large concerns, but uh, they're still independent. Uh, so presumably these smaller breweries see working with Tesco's as beneficial in some way, uh, perhaps um, more as a way of increasing exposure of the brand to the general public, uh, rather than uh, making specifically making money. Um, so uh, you know it can't be all bad. Um, and of course, from a consumer point of view, it offers the chance to try some interesting beers at an affordable price point for those less acquainted with the craft beer world, uh, who would frankly balk at the idea of paying over £5 for a can. Not only that, but not everyone can get to get to an indie bottle shop. Um, it, obviously, uh, it's an increasing, uh, increasingly common thing, but uh, not all towns have one. Um, so, for example, if we're talking craft beer, in inverted commas, uh, Banbury's only had one for the past year. Um, so supermarkets can get act as a gateway for people to drink better beer, uh, for want of a better phrase. Um, so, uh, you know, they have a part to play, certainly. But, uh, of course, having said that, the ranges that supermarket stocks are more static um, than uh, bottle shops do. Um, they uh, basically, you know, find something that they think will sell, and if it sells, they'll, they'll keep on stocking it. Um, so it's not really the best place to go if you want... Um, uh, sort of the new and exciting beers um, if you suffer from uh, FOMO um, then uh, it's not the place to go or uh, if you're a bit of an addict on untapped uh, you'll soon exhaust your uh, options by uh, only shopping at supermarkets um, uh, and also um, they don't necessarily care for the product as uh, as you indie will um, they tend to just uh, sort of chuck it on the shelves um, <laughs> possibly literally I don't know Um uh, ambient temperature and um, well it's a whole different uh, kettle of fish that you're opening up but uh, obviously a lot of people uh, believe that um, you need the cold chain in place in order to uh, really maintain uh, the quality of the beer particularly if it's uh, something very hoppy um, as uh, as many cans will attest drink fresh so um, yeah I don't know 
I don't know where we sit on this. Uh, it, yeah, overall, obviously, it is a bit, uh, a little bit odd, and it uh, clearly raised a few eyebrows. Um, but uh, you know, it's not without its benefits. I'd say. What do you think? Let me know. Get in touch. Um, hurl abuse at me if you wish. <laughs> I wish I hadn't said that. Uh, Banburybeer at gmail dot com or at Banbury Beer. So it's probably time to uh, kind of tackle the elephant in the room and uh, talk about uh, coronavirus, which obviously has affected every single aspect of life, I would say. Um, and, uh, you know, at this point in time, where are we? It is the, uh, what is it, the 24th? 25th, I don't know what day it is. It's a Wednesday, apparently. Um, it's 25th of March. Um, you know, we're not really uh, uh, that far through it at the moment, so uh, who knows uh, what the future is going to hold. But, um, you know, as I say, nothing has kind of escaped its effect. And uh, the beer world, of course, is is included in that. Um, so I'd written some notes, but obviously they changed as they have to, as uh, the kind of position has changed uh, day by day. But um, I, I'll, I'll still read out what I had originally written. Um, it remains unclear to what extent the brewers, shops and pubs will be affected by the ongoing pandemic. Uh, but it clearly will be, and at a time when things were just about starting to recover from the Brexit debacle. In terms of brewers, it may come down to which routes to market are most used, as the pub sales will undoubtedly suffer, meaning selling direct to customers or shops will be a better bet. Uh, for example, Loddon Brewery, um, this morning, this was, as I say, written a while ago, uh, tweeted, Normally on Monday we'd have a north of 40 orders, uh, more at peak times. Today we have two. Pubs aren't ordering, rightly, because they're terrified. We literally have no income today. They, along with others, have called on the government to take action and offer duty and VAT amnesty, as well as a rent break for landlords from landlords, uh, as cash flow is so vital for operations to continue. Some businesses have stated that selling vouchers for later use so that they can keep some money coming in. Well, uh, that's still kind of true, I think. Um, obviously, uh, since we did that, the, uh, the, there was the forced closure of the pubs. Um, well, initially, the uh, confusing advice to avoid going to them. Um, so, you know, some pubs carried on as as, as normal. Well, this means, and uh, others took uh, took measures to um, you know protect their staff and customers, and do some social distancing, which uh, I, I saw uh, firsthand in the the White Horse uh, last week. Um, uh, yeah now you know clearly they've now they've now closed the brewers uh kind of really went uh some of them went to town on um selling direct to the customer um either via um people going to collect or uh, drive throughs some were doing drive throughs um or more commonly um selling to uh, sorry selling direct to the customer but uh you know delivering it via courier um which is still going on uh, and as i say it, it, the the pitch keeps changing i haven't checked in the last few hours but the last I heard, um, they'd re-allowed the uh, off-license to open because they're considered essential. I guess it's for national morale, isn't it? Everyone needs a drink. <laughs> um, I, I think, uh, yeah. So, um, uh, so yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of different schools of thought on this, I think, uh, particularly on uh, Twitter. Um, some operations are vehemently opposed to uh, reopening, Um they kind of welcome the news that everyone should shut uh, to uh, prevent any further part, you know, um, exposure to staff or 
or customers, um, while others, you know, from their point of view, they've got stock sitting in their warehouses and whatever um, that you know has a has a shelf life. Particularly cask, I really don't know what's going to happen to cask. Um, so they want to try and recoup some of the money from it, which is you know completely understandable because otherwise it's just going to end up going down the sink. Um, so yeah, I you know I don't see there's no right answer, of course. Uh, people will do it. Uh, they will you know make their own minds up. But um, I think the main thing is that if you are going to uh, kind of continue, then you have to um, do so in the, the safest possible way, uh, minimise any risk to anyone. Um, what was also made clear was that there wouldn't be the uh, duty postponement to the brewers so um that's obviously coming up with the end of march um so yeah some some breweries are saying that uh, that's really gonna you know could could kill them off um so they uh, i know uh Sibber and camera have been uh, kind of lobbying the government but uh, as of when i recorded this um no uh, no movement from them so uh, i don't know what watch this space and see um yeah, hopefully you've got some beer in stock at home while you listen to this. You know, it does help a bit. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but one thing that is uh, kind of clear is there's certain um, certain chains and uh, and uh, uh, macros have kind of not behaved well in this process. And uh, hopefully, you know, people will remember that when uh, when everything when the dust settles, um, and they can uh, make decisions and uh, support the indies rather than um, these uh, businesses with rather dodgy uh, business practices. Good luck, hunker down, and uh, drink something decent. Okay, let's uh, move on now to uh, this kind of main topic that I'd planned uh, before everything kicked off, um, which was uh, to talk about packaging. Um, so uh, this kind of came to you know came to the forefront in my mind when. Uh, a couple of recent um, high-profile cases made it to uh, to press all over the place um, in terms of uh, some of the branding and things of uh, of some beers. Um, so I tried to have a bit of a delve. Um, so uh, yeah, there's been a f- recently been a lot of attention brought to packaging with a couple of complaints made uh, to uh, some reasonably high-profile breweries about their packaging. Uh, members of the public are uh, able to um, make complaints. Um, as can uh, industry bodies and other things um, to uh, something called the Portman Group who uh, then make a judgement on whether the complaint should be upheld or not um, and they have uh, powers to issue um, uh, warnings to uh, um, suppliers and shops um, that uh, these products have been found in breach of of uh, their code of conduct um, and urge them not to uh, stop the product. So um, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, so the complaints kind of fall into uh, a range of different categories. Um, some of the earliest ones uh, were to do with um, sexualization, sexualized images on the labels, which um, has kind of uh, kind of not doesn't really happen now. Um, so there's some of those. Uh, some of them are just purely the kind of the wording, um, and you know sometimes the just the name that they've given a, a beer. Um, so, uh, for example, uh, Brewdog. Um, there was a couple of complaints against their beers, and one of them uh, was uh, they used to make one called Speedball, um, 
and uh, that was uh, a complaint made against that because it's uh, linked to um, to drug use. Uh, that one was upheld. Um, quite a few complaints made about the strength and the size of the can uh, that beer is uh, delivered in. Um, so uh, they were all those complaints were made by local councils and uh, Alcohol Change UK, saying that you couldn't possibly you know drink that many units in one sitting um, and not become an alcoholic so um that uh which obviously applies to a lot of uh beer that's uh out there um some slightly strained ones possibly which um uh to do with kind of associations of the names with uh mental disturbance or illegal behavior so um there was uh even more recently than the the ones uh made against uh tiny rebel and lost and grounded they're lawless um made by purity um, there was a complaint via audit that, in that case. Um, there was a complaint about that, and uh, that was upheld because um, uh, the name is associated with le- illegal behaviour, so that should not be encouraged. So um, I think they might have to change that. Let's just uh, have a quick look at what the Pullman Group is. Um, so this is uh, kind of all quite superficial information. I haven't you know, not really gone uh, proper... Um, deep on it but uh, this is all from their own website um so they were they were formed in 1989 by six major alcohol companies uh with the uh, aim of ensuring that alcohol producers do all they can to promote the responsible use of alcohol and social responsibility our founders six major alcohol companies came with a vision to reduce harm and, and demonstrate the industry's commitment to behave in the right way Initially, many of the activities occurred via the drinkaware.co.uk campaign before they separated into a separate entity in 2007 uh, when the Portman Group began to focus on delivering effective industry self-regulation. Since 1996, the Portman Group have introduced six editions of their regulatory code of practice on the naming, packaging and promotion of alcoholic drinks. The Independent Complaints Panel... Um, has upheld complaints against more than 150 products resulting in changes to the product's design and packaging. So those uh, six founding um, alcohol ma- uh, major companies are uh, Bacardi, uh, Brown Foreman, Budweiser, Carlsberg, Diageo and Heineken. So, uh, you know, bear that in mind. Um, <laughs> one high-profile complaint that uh, we reported on previously on uh, the uh, Banbury Beer podcast was a member of the public who claimed that the cans of the Kutch um, beer by Tiny Rebel looks very appealing and bright. They look like fizzy dr- energy drinks also, very clearly aimed at teenagers to encourage them to take up drinking. Uh, the Portman Group reached a verdict that although the beer was clearly labelled as being alcoholic, it was in breach of code paragraph 3.2 h a drink its packaging and any promotional material or activity should not in any direct or indirect way have a particular appeal to under 18s tiny rebel stated that they found the complaint to be surprising given that they had already worked with the portman group to change the packaging previously following a defense of their products in 2017 Uh, tiny rebel decided not to work with the portman group to amend their design which resulted in the Portman Group issuing a retailer alert bulletin. So this is uh, the kind of main mode of uh, pushback that uh, the Portman Group have when um, a brewer or uh, well any company um, is uh, kind of found in breach of the uh, code of conduct and doesn't work with them. Um, the bulletin asks that licensees 
not place orders of uh, Kutch with the particular can design in question after the uh, 2nd of March. So that's uh, obviously passed. Um, if they had stock that they'd already bought at that point, I think they can carry on selling it, but uh, they're not to place any new orders. Um, there's also a suggestion that if the licensee were not to follow this notice, then it could count against them when they come to apply for a grant, variation or renew of, renewal of their licence. So, um, yeah, it's uh, you know, potentially serious for the uh, the shop um, or, or distributor. Um, so um, they tend to um, just do what they're told, <laughs> to be honest. A similar decision was taken with 4Pure and their Juicebox IPA. Um, although uh, 4Pure decided to work with the Portman Group instead and make changes to design, so then they don't issue the uh, the uh, bulletin. Um, so then, uh, digging a little deeper, um, if you have a look on the uh, Portman Group website, basically each uh, time they come to a, a decision over one of these complaints, uh, the panel meets and um, they, uh, they deliberate. Um, the decision not probably not quite in full um but uh, they they have a, a pretty decent um description of the uh the, the decision that the panel have reached on their website for each particular um, complaint made but if you're purely talking about beer um there are i think uh, over the course of the 13 years because it goes back to 2007 uh there have been 31 complaints um uh, deliberated on about beer products uh one of which uh, i've not counted in some of the figures um because it was uh i don't know if you've had lucky buddha um where uh, the bottle is in the shape of uh, of buddha um that was um flagged up as potentially being offensive to buddhists um during an audit process but that that was uh, not upheld um so of the other 30 um there's some kind of interesting uh, kind of things you can pull out really um a greater proportion of complaints made by the public um were up were upheld after deliberation um so there were um 13 complaints made by the public eight of those upheld um compared to um those uh where the complaint was via audit or by institutions um such as alcohol um, awareness campaigns and things um so uh audit there were um eight complaints uh, and four of those upheld and the uh, bodies there were nine complaints three of which upheld so um you know this is possibly a suggestion that they take the ones um made by the uh, public more seriously i don't know um also complaints about labels being appealing to under 18s um notably all of those have uh, been made since 2017 so they're all pretty recent um are most numerous uh, with uh, six of the nine being upheld. So that's a pretty high strike rate. Um, uh, and then uh, complaints against independent brewers were more frequently upheld. Um, so there were 18 complaints made against uh, beers made by independent brewers, 13 of which were upheld, and uh, 12 complaints against uh, beers made by macros, only three of which were upheld. Now there's obviously potentially a lot of different reasons why um those uh, decisions are reached um so i'm not suggesting that it's um some sort of uh, conspiracy um and that they're going to throw out the ones against macros cuz uh that's where they get their funding i will leave you to make your own decisions but um it's you know it's just 
interesting um, that, uh, that that is the case. So the, the complaints made against uh, the beer packaging with regard to those that might appeal to under 18s. Uh, some have been held, some have, some have been upheld, some weren't. Interestingly, the ones that haven't been upheld have all been from breweries that are linked to macros. Um, so, uh, as I said before, I'm not suggesting that this is some sort of collusion between the Portman Group and the large brewers. In fact, the Portman Group website is actually quite open about their activities. Um, and uh, you can read, as I say, a report on each particular complaint and the decision that was reached. And there's also uh, profiles that you can see, uh, including photos, of the uh, different people who tend to sit on these panels. Um, so, they're you know, they're being relatively open, I'd say. Um, so, perhaps, actually maybe what's going on is uh, that larger brewers are able to uh, do more product testing um, spend longer on um, kind of ironing out any possible issues that they might have um, than um, than smaller brewers um, who uh, are trying to get the product out quicker maybe I don't know I mean when you just thinking about it if you if you picture the kind of can designs um, and bottles of um, sort of the big brands, the big lager brands, and whatever. Um, if you think of their labels, they're basically just the name uh, and some colours and stuff. They don't go in for what you see on craft labels, which is the very intricate uh, drawings or paintings or whatever, um, and interesting fonts and stuff. Um, they're just kind of, you know, because they've already got the brand recognition that they just want the name to stand out and people will pick it up with a shell. They don't have to kind of appeal to people with kind of quirky images and stuff. So um, maybe that's, you know, maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Um, the vast majority of the complaints made against brewers to the Portman Group are to do with the product being appealing to underage kids. Um, but as I said before, a lot that's more recent. Um, if you go further back, um, the complaints were of a different nature. So the very first ones were kind of... of uh, um, kind of sexualization on the labels and stuff um sexist images um so uh and the the they're said to be appealing to kids because uh they use colorful images on the cans um but uh also an interesting point is the fact that um a lot of breweries now use uh small smaller 330 mil cans um which uh you know it's it's more at the craft end of the spectrum because um, uh, the more traditional uh, brewers tend to still put stuff in bottle, um, uh, which uh, in some of the complaints people have specifically mentioned this that this is the standard soft drink size, so um, putting it in that they say um, causes some confusion. Yeah, well, um, so uh, brewers have to put a lot of time and effort into their labelling and packaging, trying to balance being eye-catching and distinctive against appealing to the wrong people. Uh, this is particularly a problem if you're going to sell in smaller cans. Um, and uh, if you're planning to sell to supermarkets, um, then uh, obviously, yeah, so this is one of the things about the uh, the complaints to miners, um, not people who mine, underage. Um is that uh, if you're selling in a, obviously if you if you tend to be smaller then you're not going to have contracts with the big supermarkets so your products are going to go you're either selling it direct or you're going to be selling to independent bottle shops and things and if that's the case you're not going to be getting many uh, kids going in there and, and seeing them and potentially being 
drawn to them. So the likelihood of someone coming in to complain about that is probably less. Whereas if you're one of the big, the, the kind of brewers that are on the way to becoming you know, really big, um, then once you start getting into supermarkets, then obviously there's more potential um, for exposure to uh, to the underage demographic. So um, you you know maybe you have to kind of change tack a bit once you get to that certain size. I don't know. One thing that does come out of all this that is uh, pretty clear is that uh, the Portman Group um, should uh, should be looking at how they uh, respond to these complaints. Um, so in uh, a lot of these instances, it's a complaint from an, one single individual uh, who's uh, going into a supermarket and seeing the products on the shelves and then submitting the complaint. And then that one complaint uh, then triggers them to um, uh, look into it and uh, then come to a decision which uh, for some of these uh, breweries is having huge implications um, so for example Tiny Rebel um, that was actually their second uh, complaint about uh, one of their particular beers um, and uh, you know they're potentially going to have to um, completely redesign um, that uh, that product or at least in can anyway um, and also similarly with uh, Lost and Grounded running with Scepters uh, can design they're gonna have to uh, completely redesign that or um, risk uh, not being able to sell it anywhere so um, clearly they're gonna have to do uh, something uh, in regard of what you know waiting for there to be more than one single complaint maybe 10 complaints or something uh, about a product before they uh, really kind of sit down and um, and look into it so that's uh, so that's some of my uh, thoughts on it. Uh, I'd love to hear your your thoughts. Um, uh, do you think uh, that it's good that the um, the industry is kind of self regulating, or do you think it'd be better if uh, the government was to uh, kind of get involved, uh, like it uh, does in um, uh, in some other industries? So that's about it for the this particular podcast. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, as I say, always uh, love to hear uh, your feedback. So do get in touch if you'd like to send an email. It's uh, banburybeer at gmail dot com or you can tweet me at Banbury Beer. So until the next time, hunker down and uh, enjoy a decent beer, and uh, we'll see you soon.